the Titans, the Mount Rushmore players we all know the names of. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. Then there are the Giants hoping to join this group. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Nonetheless, you can't forget about these new guys hoping to dethrone everything those that came before them created and blaze their own trail into NFL history. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones. Men that won't let you forget who they are. And if you do, they'll be more than happy to remind you. This is the show where we'll talk about all those legacies and so much more. We'll follow these storylines from the beginning of the season all the way to the climax of the Super Bowl. We'll see Giants fall and watch new men who you never expected to take over stand tall. Through adversity and victory, the NFL has it all. We will cover every minute of it here. No buts about it. Countdown, five, four, three, two, one. And welcome back to No Buts About It. It is January 18th, Wednesday. And uh, we are back once again with Andrew Gillis, who is a beat reporter who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for Cleveland.com. And he is also a member of the Strictly Stripes podcast. And uh, Andrew, I'm just going to get right into it. What, what are the odds that Alex Kappa or Jonah Williams are back to play for against the Buffalo Bills? Uh, or probably like 2%. Um, I would say Jonah would be the guy if you're looking at who could play. Um, I think and you're at 0%. I don't see both of them playing. Um, you know, Jonah w- – typically Zach Taylor is um, – like at like every NFL coach kind of guarded with the way that he describes injuries and like everybody, you know, I kind of laugh at it. If I was an NFL head coach, I don't think I'd be honest once. Um, but you know, he, he, Zach is really honest. And, you know, he said that Jonah's characterized as week to week. Uh, that doesn't sound good uh, considering uh, their game is in a few days here. So um, I, I would anticipate Jonah is going to be out as well. But uh, Kappa, I would almost just – you can probably just count him out right now. Uh, Jonah Williams, probably the same thing. But uh, we'll see tomorrow, which is Thursday. Uh, but I, I would anticipate both of them are, are on the shelf once again. So should fans be worried about Jackson Carmen then? I mean, he's had some issues in the past. I think when he played in the regular season game against the Ravens, he was only really talked about for him getting in a fight with the Ravens sideline. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think I would be worried about that, but I would also just kind of generally be worried about the offensive line as a whole, um, because you lose both of your tackles, you lose, um, you know, your right guard who, you know, really was, I think a big piece and maybe an underrated piece to the offensive success this year. So you bring in, you know, three new guys, basically over the last couple of weeks, you have Lyle Collins go down against the Patriots. Now Hakeem Adenogy is your right tackle. You have uh, Alex Kappa go down in week 18, and now Max Sharping is your right guard. And then Jonah goes down. You have to throw Jackson in. I, I think the scary part for the Bengals and Bengals fans should be that this offensive line sort of, I think it's still more talented, but it's sort of re- resembles last year's offensive line. Uh, and that's not a place you want to be considering in last year's divisional game, Joe Burrow got dropped nine times. Right. Yeah. Um, Definitely, and going up against the Bills' defense, which I think the Bills' defense 
is a bunch of guys who are underrated at their positions, and they've come together to be extremely good. Like, I don't hear – I personally don't hear a lot of people talking about Jordan Poyer, Ed Oliver, uh, Micah Hyde got hurt, but or Mil- Milano, the linebacker. I don't hear ever hear them as, like, the top guys in their positions, but the Bills' defense is very scary in my opinion. Um, do you, It sounds like you do, but do you think that – the Bengals' offense, offensive line is going to have trouble against that Bills' defense? Yeah. Um, you know, I <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I, I was talking to a couple of the guys today in the locker room, and, you know, I was asking, like, Week 17's game, can you take anything, like, from that? I mean, they ran I, – I don't know. I would have to look. They ran, like, eight plays maybe offensively uh, before the game got stopped. So, you know, can you take anything from that? Well, some of the guys were saying, you know, hey – they typically don't blitz a lot. The Bills, if you kind of look at blitz rate across the league, uh, they're one of the most conservative teams. Uh, they don't they don't send more than four a lot, uh, but they did against uh, against the Bengals uh, on that Monday night game. So I think you're gonna. I th- I mean, listen, like I get it. Like if I was the defensive coordinator for the Bills right now, I'd be I'd be kind of licking my chops, saying, okay, we're we're gonna send Edmonds and Milano and. You know, Bernard, we're, we're going to go after those guys and we're going to see, can these guys hold up? Um, I think the dream for the Bills would be, you know, if you can get home um, with with Lawson and Rousseau and stuff like that, because, you know, their, their interior line is really good. Uh, Ed Oliver, you know, he's a little smaller, faster guy. But Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, like those are big boys in the middle and they're they're tough to move. So I, I, I think the concern is is pretty prevalent for the offensive line and if the bills can get home with four uh oh like yeah. that, that's not gonna be that's not gonna be good um so you know losing von miller obviously hurt him but they're still pretty pretty talented uh you still don't have micah hyde he's not gonna play um you know those are two kind of breaks in the bills or the bengals direction but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're still really talented. They're still really good. Uh, their DVOA numbers against the run are really good. So, do, I mean, the Bengals, you don't want to say abandon the run or they have abandoned the run, but y- you, you almost just say, screw it. Like, mm-hmm. you, you just ha- kind of have to go out there and air it out. Right. Um, so, I'm glad you kind of brought up that regular season game with the Bills and that you said you've been in the locker room with these guys. Have Have you noticed – these guys acting any different going into this game because obviously what they witnessed during that last time they met the bills was horrendous and no player ever expects to see that. Um, Have you noticed any change in any of the players like demeanor or preparing differently for this game? No. um, You know, I think when you look at kind of the way that everything unfolded on that Monday night and then the next day, going into Wednesday, that like 48 hour period, there really wasn't, really wasn't a ton um, of news coming out. Uh, If it was, it was positive, but it was very, very minuscule. It was kind of trickling out. Um, You know, on on that Wednesday, we didn't, you know, typically the locker room opens on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for, um, for a Sunday game. And on that Wednesday, you know, as a media core and, you know, Bengals PR, we kind of all agreed, you know, Hey, maybe give them an extra day. And when we, we only talked to Joe Burrow and DJ reader on that Wednesday and, you know, Joe Burrow said, I, 
I'm not sure if I want to play Sunday. I, 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 I think I want to play, but I don't think everybody wants to play. And DJ reader said, you know, I'm not in the right headspace to make that decision. If I want to play, like, I think that kind of goes, uh, you know, forgotten with this whole thing is that, you know, the Bengals as of that Wednesday were kind of like, I don't know. Um, but, you know, fortunately, obviously the next morning it was something like, uh, you know, the DeMar was up and it was, the question was like, you know, he, the first thing he asked was, did we win? Like there was that story uh, the Friday, they, they talked about him addressing the team uh, and when you talk to the Bengals players, uh, they were very, very aware of what was going on uh, and kind of how he was responding. So I think that with the news that just got progressively better with DeMar, I think it became more normal and it, they kind of eased in a little bit. Um, you know, Ted Karras said his soul was restored when, when he kind of heard that news. So I think now you're able to look at it just like a football game. Um, and, and obviously that's the way you want to look at it. Um, but th- there was a few rough days there, but now that DeMar is healthy, I think people can look at it and, you know, the Bengals players can kind of say, okay, you know, that was pretty weird. That was obviously a, a terrible situation. Um, but now we have to play him. Now we have to play him again. So I, I, I think that they've kind of moved past that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was certainly crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can't watching <clears throat> it on TV was insane. I can't imagine being, at the stadium or on the field even because that no one knows what's going on in those moments or what the next step is. So I'm glad to see that or hear that the team has kind of been able to move past that. They're kind of ready to go into this next game. Um, Talking about this last playoff game against the Ravens, the energy there just looked like it was electric. It looked like on TV the Bengals fans showed up especially for um, the Hubbard play. And what what was that like? What was it like to be there at the stadium for that? Yeah, um, I will say that uh, it certainly felt kind of, you know, I, I get there a little bit early, um, maybe a little bit earlier than some tailgaters. Uh, I show up about three hours before a game, um, you know, and kind of the same thing when, when I walked in there, it was about, you know, five, five thirty on, on Sunday. And, um, how do I put this? I, I would say people were, uh, well served in terms of alcohol. Um, they, they were enjoying themselves. Uh, they were ready to go. Uh, but I, I think the, the cool part about the Hubbard play just from a, you know, from that standpoint, from a fan perspective was that place was dead. Um, really for, a pretty long time. Um, you know, the Bengals go up nine, nothing. The place is, the place is rocking. Everybody's going crazy. And the Ravens go on that huge drive, score a touchdown. Uh, uh, it was Jonah gets hurt. I'm trying to run through it in my head. Jonah gets hurt. Hayden Hurst fumbles. Um, Bengal, Ravens take over. They take the lead before half. And then you get into the third quarter and there's really not a ton of energy there. Um, you know, obviously the, um, you know, obviously the, the Bengals scored there, but it, it just kind of was, was really dead. And then Huntley takes off the end zone, gets knocked out at the one and you're thinking, okay, like bare minimum here, Bengals are going to be down with 10 minutes left in the game. And Hubbard, uh, you know, obviously gets just what a lucky bounce. You don't want to say that play was lucky, but the ball bouncing right into his arms was something. Um, uh, and then, 
that part was lucky that Logan Wilson punching the ball out, Jermaine Pratt standing him up, you know, Von Bell, the play before Jesse Bates, the play before that kind of all of that built together was not luck. Uh, you got a little bit of a bounce there and then Sam Hubbard kind of took off. So I remember, um, you know, he was at like the 20, like the Ravens 20, like right around where Andrews fell down and you could just see the crowd just jumping up and down. Like there wasn't really a, you know, it wasn't just like the typical clapping or whatever. It looked like people were losing their minds. Um, and it, it, that was cool to see. Um, you know, I think, you know, people have kind of looked back at that moment over the last few days and, and kind of understood what that was. I think if you lose to Buffalo, I think it's just a fun footnote of a fun play in Bengals history. Um, but if this team keeps winning, like if you beat Buffalo, go to the Super Bowl, God forbid, win the Super Bowl, I think that that play is going to have a, a completely different meaning and completely different feeling for a lot of Bengals fans. What what do you call that play? We kind of talked about. So, yeah. The, uh, yeah. So it's the fumble in the jungle. There are people that say the Hubbard yard dash. There are people that say the immaculate rejection. Uh, no, it's, it's the fumble in the jungle. And I understand, uh, you know, Ben baby pointed this out on Twitter that I understand um, that fumble in the jungle could also mm-hmm. be Jeremy Hill's fumble against yeah. the Steelers, but no, no, yeah. the fumble in the jungle is Hubbard's return uh it, that that's that's what it should be called so i personally preferred the F- hubbard yard dash i think chuss wanted the uh immaculate rejection or the fumble in the jungle i mean both were fine it was it was just funny because whenever i mentioned um the fumble in the jungle um josh mentioned that it had a like a bad underlying tone to it right. and i said no for me that's a that's a good tone because you know coming mm-hmm. from a steelers fan it's probably a a good thing but um but also like i kind of like the playoff of the uh, immaculate rejection being kind of like a playoff of like you know the the late uh franco harris in a way even though it's not a steelers thing i thought that was kind of cool but um I, I also liked i actually also liked the fumble in the jungle like very much but um i've just been kind of going with like everything else just because i figured that that probably wouldn't be it because every because a lot of people a lot of Bengals fans still have slight negative connotation with uh fumble in the jungle which i hope as it moves on that they'll adjust so so for what it's worth uh sam hubbard he liked the he said all the nicknames are fun but he didn't want to give one uh, because he was like, it's kind of like, you can't give yourself a nickname. So, and, and obviously he's right. Uh, Logan Wilson liked uh, fumble in the jungle. Um, he did. He said the other two were really good, but he was, he was in on uh, fumble in the jungle just for, just for what it's worth. I suppose he has earned the right to kind of call it what he wants then, or uh, the players have earned the right. So I will call it the fumble in the jungle. I will stand down to them. Um, is Hubbard as cool a guy as he seems on TV? Like, I just it, whenever I see him in the media, he seems like such a fun dude. Is he? Yeah, he's he's a really nice guy. Um, he, uh, you know, he's it's one of those things where he's like from a media perspective, he's he's always really helpful, always really always really nice to talk to. Um, he, you know, I, I think he's really well respected. Obviously, with you know, you look at the captainship. Walter Payton man of the year stuff like people really, really respect him as a person. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, 
he's really laid back. Um, you know, he's not, you know, super talkative. He's just kind of a chill, chill kind of guy. I don't, um, you know, I, I can't say I, I have the best, you know, I have the best relationship with him. It's not adverse or anything like that. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I don't talk to him like I do some other players on the team. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, whenever I talk to Sam, you know, I, I enjoy it. He's, he's a really nice guy. And I think chill is probably the best, the best way to phrase that. That's kind of, that's kind of what I was gathering from him on T seeing him on TV, but I've never met right. him. So um, the other big story was Mixon with the coin flip what do you know whatever came of that because i never saw any stories of like the nfl's finding him more because of that or he's they're going to agree to it i just saw that the tweet got deleted and then i saw nothing else yeah i i haven't heard anything um you know i i know that uh he he was fine for it and he obviously challenged goodell I mean, that's not going to happen. I think it was a funny tweet. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I, I think he's probably going to lose that one. I don't know when appeals have to come through. Um, I think he might hear within a week. I, I don't know the exact process for that. Um, but m my guess would be uh, within the next few days, we'll kind of have a resolution, but I kind of have a hunch that Joe Mixon might be, might be paying some, paying some money to the league here. Yeah. That's, that was kind of my, Oh, guess. well, technically, well, technically he might be paying money to the league and then Chad Johnson will be reimbursing him. If, if you believe Twitter, uh, well, so. true. I, that seems like a Chad Johnson thing to do though. So I could very see much, him very much. So I could see him living up to his, um, word on Twitter. Kind of on that same note, is the general locker room culture going into this game that they were screwed? Do they view themselves as the underdogs again? Um, so that it's so funny you say that. Um, so all year long, um, you know, we, we've kind of heard, um, you know, we've kind of heard, hey, you know, tell me about uh, you know, tell me about whatever, tell me about this great thing, tell me about that great thing, and blah blah blah, and somebody asked Zach today, um, you know, do you, how do you feel about not being kind of compared to Buffalo or Kansas city? And, you know, how do you kind of feel about not being listed among the elite? And he said, you know, we're the defending AFC champions. We're not an underdog to anybody. Um, and, and Joe Burrow kind of said something, uh, something similar today where, you know, do you feel like an underdog technically? I mean, if you want to be specific, they are five point underdogs against the bills. Um, so he's technically wrong because they are underdogs, but uh, you know, he said he never feels like an underdog. Um, so I think they're, you know, it's, it's a funny question uh, to answer because, and in sports, a lot of the times, I mean, you look at all the great, players and great teams and everything sometimes you have kind of have to manufacture this like if you watched uh uh the last dance michael jordan literally made up a criticism of somebody so he could d absolutely destroy the bullets the next night like sometimes you, you kind of i'm not saying they're going that far um because i do think there are legitimate criticisms of, of kind of how that unfolded and, and i mean i have my own kind of takes on that about how it i think it should have unfolded but mm -hmm. um the I think there was a consensus of they didn't like how it played out. Um, and they're looking at it as, you know, nobody respects us. Nobody wants to, blah, 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 you know, nobody believes in us. Nobody, this, nobody, that. 
Um, I think that's just kind of a general NFL thing. I guarantee you, if you go to Kansas City, they're saying the same thing. Uh, I guarantee you, if you go to Buffalo, they're saying the same thing. Like, oh, everybody's talking about the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are saying, oh, everybody's telling us the Bills are going to knock us off again, and the Bengals are going to beat us again. Like, everybody kind of has that. So I think, um, you know, the Bengals, their mantra all year has been they got to play us, and I think part of that is just a – Hey, look, we're really good too. And, um, you know, we belong with, with every team in the league. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think they, they, they are a little kind of miffed at how everything happened, but, um, they certainly are not viewing themselves as an underdog, but I think they're trying to let that kind of fuel them. I know it's a, it's a complicated mind game that you have to play. So I hope that made sense. That, that did made sense. I just know I've seen a lot on Twitter of people being like, Bills and Chiefs fans, you're good to buy your AFC championship tickets for Atlanta. Like, book your plane to Atlanta already because they're going. Don't worry about it. And if I'm a Bengals player, that would be annoying me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I think I, I think there's legitimate criticisms of how the last couple of weeks have, have kind of unfolded. Um, you know, my, my kind of answer to all of this was, was two things. Like if you're going to give the Ravens the, the coin flip opportunity, uh, then you need to give the bills and the, and the Bengals that coin flip opportunity. Um, you know, you, if you're, if you're going to give the Ravens that chance because, Hey, they lost a chance to win the AFC North. Well, then you could argue that this game should be at a neutral site, but if you're not going to be at a neutral site for bills, Bengals, then, week 18 should not have mattered for the Bengals. They should have been the, they should have been the three seed no matter what, um, unless obviously Buffalo lost and they won. Um, so, you know, to me, I, I think it was one or the other. Um, I, I don't think there, I, I have seen a little bit of this. I don't think the league is out to get the Bengals. Uh, I don't think the league is conspiring to try and get Kansas city Buffalo in the AFC championship game. I, I don't believe that um, because it's like, it's not, first off, it's not like Kansas city and Buffalo are huge markets anyway. Right. Uh, but second off the league loves Joe Burrow. The league, the league loves marketing Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow is one of the league's most marketable players. And rightfully so uh, he's a really like he he's got, you know, that, that kind of swagger to him and um, you know, people really like watching him and people love the cigar videos and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't think that there's, there's anything, you know, major going on like that with the league. So I just, you know, I want to clear that up for fans. Um, but uh, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's no conspiracy, but um, I, I do, I do think the Bengals have a gripe and um, uh, I, I mean, you're, you're at the final eight, like the Bengals are going to roll into Buffalo and they're looking at it as, you know, we're going to win. And, and I don't think that that's necessary. Like there are some people every year, some, some player or some, for some team will say, Oh yeah, we're going to beat them. You know, we're going to win. And people will get all huffy puffy about it. What's he supposed to say? Like, of course they think they're going to win. So I I've never, I've never bought into that. Um, uh, Chris might remember this a few years. Like this was like when the Patriots were undefeated, there was a Steelers DB who was like, we're going to beat the Patriots and everybody got all upset about it and everything. I was like, what's what? the hell is he supposed to say of course he thinks they're gonna win so like the Bengals think they're gonna win um and i think they are doing their best to use whatever motivation is at their disposal i mean yeah that that all makes sense i mean yeah that's true every year there's a player and 
Yeah, they're not gonna say that they're gonna lose because that'd be stupid. right. Exactly. Um, I th- one final question for you, and I have no idea if you'll be able to answer this, but a lot of people have been oh asking me. Have you heard any discussion about whether it's possible to keep T. Higgins along with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? Uh, no. Um, so you can't negotiate with them until the end of the season. Um, but I think the, f- I mean, if, if I were to to kind of be running the show here, or at least be predicting what I think is going to happen, uh, you've got to get the big the biggest puzzle piece in first, uh, and that's obviously Joe Burrow. He's got the huge contract. Um, you want to get you want to get that guy settled in, and and kind of we know what his cap hit's going to be. We we can kind of project out what the cap is going to be you've got to do all of that math and it's a lot easier to do because you'd rather do that and then try to get Higgins on board than say, okay, Higgins is on board and now we have to fit Joe in and then, Oh God, maybe we shouldn't have done this one thing that we did. (laughs) Um, So I I think uh, I, you know, I, I, it's still early Um, you know, hopefully in the off season, you start to hear a little bit more about what could go on, but um, yeah, I I think the, the number one course of action obviously is, uh, you essentially hand Joe Burrow a blank check and then you try to figure everything else out. Um, I, I mean, I know guys in the locker room love T. I know the coaches love T. I know they would love to keep T. Um, but you also got to understand that you got to pay Jamar. Like you're going to have to pay Jamar, you know, top five money when he comes up. Can you afford to pay? You know, Joe Burrow is going to probably set the quarterback record. Um, you know, maybe he's he's got less than Mahomes, maybe. But you're gonna pay your Joe Burrow's gonna have at the very minimum a top three contract at quarterback. Jamar's gonna be a top five receiver in terms of contract. Then you get to T, and it's okay. Can we pay a guy a top? Like, can we pay two top ten receivers? I, I don't know. We'll have to figure out how that math works. But I, I know they've got him because uh, he got drafted in in twenty. Um, so he got twenty, twenty one, twenty two. Then you're going into contract year uh, with T. So I, I would be stunned if he's not on the team next year because uh, this team wants to win, and you don't do that by trading away your best players. But uh, kind of after that, we're, we're just going to have to see. Yeah, I mean, 2020 was such a great draft with Burrow and Higgins and Logan Wilson. I'm pretty sure Logan Wilson is 2020. I, think he was the I believe so. Third-round pick. Could be wrong, but um, at the same yes, time. Yes, he was. So, yeah. yeah, so you went Burrow, Higgins, Wilson. Um, and then, I mean, if you want to play it out, you went Akeem Davis Gaither in the fourth round, who's a nice little role player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Akeem Adenogy, who's kind of done the same thing. Marcus Bailey in the seventh round is a nice special teams. I mean, that draft was was, was pretty Wilcox, good. Mitchell Wilcox was that same draft. Right. Yeah, so like 2020, greatest draft in Bengals history. But um, No now all these contracts come up and I I have seen and in my dream world this is what happens Burrow takes a pay cut to kind of help them out and keep all these guys do you think that there's any likelihood of that happening based on what you know of these people I mean I I will admit I don't know really anything on this topic right now you know we just we haven't really hit that point of the year yet um so this is just me speculating. Um, this is just me guessing. Uh, you lean no, um, just because 
there's like if you kind of look at it there's really been one guy in nfl history who's like taken a significant pay cut and it's tom brady uh and the reason tom brady is able to do that is because he played for forever uh and his wife was making more than he was at the time um you know she was making 100 plus million dollars a year so money was not you know what what's an extra 10 million dollars where you can go get two or three role players so uh, I, I would lean no. Um, you never know. I mean, maybe you know, maybe you do one of those things where you get a you know a twelve year deal that uh, you know maybe a little bit longer length that that kind of spreads out the cash a little bit. But uh, you you lean no, and then if it happens, it happens, and we'll kind of see from there. Lean no and pray yes. Okay. Well, that was uh, last of my questions. I don't know if Chuss has any more. Are you good, Chuss? I mean, I only have like one question just because I was just thinking about this. Um, it, it's it's kind of it, it is Bengals related, but more or less when it comes to playoffs, let's say the Bengals hypothetically beat the Bills and let's say something crazy happens in Kansas City. Right. And we have a, and we have a Cincinnati Bengals Jacksonville Jaguars AFC championship game. I, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but like. How do you think that the, like, uh, how do you think the game would like be in for like an AFC championship in Cincinnati for like a game like that? Because at that point, like Jacksonville has been so hot. Um, and like, granted, I think the Bengals could take Jacksonville, but like at this point, Jacksonville would have, let's say, knocked off Kansas City and then Cincinnati would have knocked off Buffalo. How would you say, how would, what would you think about going into that game? Like, let, just as a hypothetical. Right. Um, well, I mean, for the, the atmosphere would be bananas. Um, you know, the <laughs> Bengals have not, Bengals have not hosted a uh, conference championship game since January of 1989. Um, so you're, you're talking about uh, a scenario where the, the fans are going to be revving to go uh, for that one, because like, again, the Bills and the Bengals are both rooting for the Jaguars pretty heavily this weekend because you want a home game. The Bills don't want to go to Atlanta and the Bengals don't want to go to Kansas City. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think um, it would be a fun matchup. I think it'd be cool to see Trevor Lawrence kind of on that stage, um, you know, so young into his career, um, you know, kind of get some new blood up at the top. But uh I mean, you have to take, you would have to take the Bengals in that scenario or the bills in that scenario. I think, you know, I think if the Jaguars win, you can kind of look at what's going to happen in Buffalo on Sunday as a de facto AFC title game. Um, you know, I would be really surprised if, if the, uh, if the Jaguars make it to the Super Bowl. So um, yeah, I, I think that would be an interesting game because you've got a quarterback in Lawrence who, a little bit like Josh Allen is, is certainly prone to give you a few, um, you know, he'll, he'll kind of toss the ball up and, you know, maybe try and fit a window that he shouldn't. So uh, I, I think that that's kind of where the Bengals could take advantage of. Um, but, you know, again, who knows, uh, maybe the Jaguars get blown up by 40 or maybe Trevor Lawrence looks great in that environment. And you don't really have, a t you know, you don't have a ton of concerns about him going into an AFC championship game that, uh, you know, that's going to be pretty crazy. So I, I think you would have to pick the Bengals or the Bills uh, going into that game. But I think it'd be cool to see the Jaguars. It was like something like the last like six seasons or something, the Bills or the Jaguars, or excuse me, the uh, Chiefs or the Jaguars have played in every AFC championship game, uh, which I just thought was like a funny little thing because the Jaguars have obviously only made it once. But um, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's been... The Chiefs um, have done it that many times in a row. Well, they did it in... 
Let's see. That's insane. Yeah. The, the, well, I mean, it's Mahomes. I like know it's the, Mahomes, um, but still. I mean, it's playoffs. Yeah. The uh, I'm trying to think here. So you had – let me just pull this up. Uh, so last year was the Chiefs. One, two, three, four. So the Chiefs have made it four. Okay, so it's five. Excuse me. Uh, so the Chiefs have made it the last four years because uh, they lost at home um, in that game to the Patriots. Uh, then they beat the Titans. They beat the Bills. And then they lost to the Bengals. And then the year before all that, before the Chiefs' four-year run started, that was the uh, that was Patriots Jaguars. Okay. Wow, that's very impressive. I mean, yeah, God, that was Blake Bortles. God, what yeah, a time. it was Blake Bortles, <laughs> Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Tom Brady in that. Yeah, those that were the was... four. Yeah, the Jag- that was such a weird Jaguars team too. Like they, they <laughs> yeah, it, it was they, it, it was every a... game felt like a disaster waiting to happen, and then somehow they survived. Yeah, it was it was a tough year for the Steelers fans, man. Like the Jaguars, we were we had that home game going in, and uh, for the for the divisional, and next thing you know, the freaking Jaguars just run all over us. It was forty eight forty five final. It was just absurd that year. I don't actually, I don't know. If, I, I believe it was divisional, but I know that we played them that year, and it was just it was atrocious. It was just atrocious. It was very sad, but I mean, they didn't end up making it that year, but. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna we're gonna let you go because I know you said you had a rough three weeks <laughs> and yeah, it's been it's been busy. When whenever the off season comes, uh, you know, I will be sad not to be talking about football and covering football anymore. But you know, it'll be nice to take an afternoon walk or you know do anything other than like I want to start Better Call Saul. Um, okay. I haven't watched that. Uh, there's a few TV shows that I've gotten texts from, from my friends like, Hey, you know, you got to watch this. And I'm like, with what possible time can I do that? <laughs> um, so we're, uh, you know, hopefully I can, you know, see people again and, and kind of start living my life whenever, whenever the Bengals are done. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoy that show and thank you <laughs> once again for your time. Um, you still remain somehow posting the Bengals news before the Bengals players do and before <laughs> the Bengals themselves post it. I've got your article tabbed up here that you posted at 8.30 on cleveland.com that I'm going to read. So um, I forget your Twitter handle. Is it andrew.gillis72? Uh, no, andrew underscore gillis70. 70, 70. Um, okay. Yeah, 70. Yeah, when I when I made my Gmail, uh, which ends in seven two, I was in high school and I was like a sophomore, uh, so I've had that email for like ten years. And then uh, I just kept my handle because I I do the Andrew underscore Gillis. I was trying every possible number and nothing worked. And I was like, I wonder if my high school football number will work. And it did. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna keep it. So we're 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 gonna we're gonna roll with that for forever, I think. So it's Andrew underscore Gillis seventy is your seventy Twitter, yes Twitter handle correct. Okay, and then my Twitter handle is Josh underscore butts underscore two thousand one. And the Instagram for the show is no butts underscore show. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you once again, Andrew, for being on the show.